What happened to your eyes? Where am I going? We won't need eyes to see. everyone, welcome to this bonus episode of Exploit It. I'm Alexis Chowski. And where I'm going, I don't need eyes. I'm Kevin Daly. And this bonus, we're talking about Event Horizon, 1997, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon is the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster than light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space... There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Many crew. Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. This ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been? And what it's brought back with it. The ship is reacting to us, and the reactions are getting stronger. What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? Oh. I have such one thing to show you. Oh, my God. He knows my secrets. He <laughs> knows my fears. Vacate. I want off this ship. Uh, this movie is awesome. <laughs> it is. I was just telling Alexis uh, off off recording that I think this is my favorite horror movie ever. It's, it is. It's not just good for a Paul W. S. Anderson film. It's just good. Like this is a good movie. Yeah. Um. So, Event Horizon. The, how it came to be is Paul W. S. Anderson. He did. Well, he did a movie called Shopping, which his first feature, um, but then he did Mortal Kombat, and Mortal Kombat was a big fucking hit. And so he was getting offers for everything, including X-Men. It's funny because Mortal Kombat is not like a good movie, but it is a lot of fun, mostly because Christopher Lambert is a, a crack up in Raiden. Yeah. But Anderson was like, no, I'm going to pass on all the big offers because I want to make an R-rated horror film. Yeah, he really wanted to make a, a, a gory horror film. Yep. Um, his influences for this film that he said was like The Haunting, Alien, The Shining. You can see a lot yeah. of that in here. Absolutely, yeah. 
And apparently, what was the movie? There was another movie, Stellaris? Uh-oh. Solaris. Yeah, uh, a Russian film from the 70s. 72, I think. Yeah, I tried I watching that after this. That's a difficult movie. I mean, well, it's all in Russian, but... <laughs> it's, yeah, that would make it difficult. It's a difficult movie. <laughs> There was a I mean, remake. 1970s Russia. Yeah, I'd imagine anything made in 1970s Russia is probably a pretty bleak watch. Yeah, but it's very similar to Event Horizon, though. Like, the story is very similar. Yeah, I should probably try to check that out sometime. It's on HBO. Okay. That's where I was watching it. But the screenwriter for Event Horizon, Philip Eisner, his inspiration was Warhammer 40k. That this was... His headcanon for the game, actually. It makes sense, though, because if you read the lore, when when they do faster-than-light travel in Warhammer 40,000, they go through something called the Warp, and the Warp is populated by chaos entities. Basically, there are four chaos gods, for people who are not familiar with the Warhammer universe. There's four chaos gods representing, uh, basically, war and murder with corn. You have Nurgle, who's pestilence. You have Zinch is like change and like just general chaos, and then Slanesh is the hedonist, and uh, but not just like sex, just everything in excess, which could include like torture and violence and rape and a whole bunch of other stuff. And the idea is they travel through these ships, travel through the warp, and those chaos. If you're not properly shielded, they have uh, special shields that protect the ships as they go through the warp. Uh, basically, what happens in Event Horizon to the to the Event Horizon happens to the people in the ship. Yep, that's why many basically raped, murdered, eaten, and torn apart by demons. That many fans consider this to be a prequel to Warhammer 40k. Like this is how they learned that they needed those shields. I I like it. Yep. So it starts with some intense 1997 sci-fi music. <laughs> Indeed it does. And we get some on-screen text that tells us 2015, the first permanent colony was established on the moon. And I'm, and like, I'm like, what? We're, we're a little behind on that. <laughs> That's fucking news to me. How did I miss that? <laughs> but then 2032, commercial mining begins on Mars. And 2040, deep space research vessel Event Horizon launched to explore the boundaries of the solar system and disappeared without a trace just past Neptune. It's interesting, because what was it, 2032, the mining on Mars? If we find something worth mining on Mars, that actually is not out of the realm of possibility. No, that's Elon Musk's goal. Because, I mean, that doesn't really require people to go down there. You can send robots to haul that stuff off. Yep. Not like Total Recall, where they sent people to mine on Mars. Yeah, right. But then uh, we get 2047. Now. You know, seven years after the event horizon vanished. Which it says it's the worst space disaster on record. I wonder how many people were on the Event Horizon. Well, it's a big fucking ship. <laughs> it is a big fucking ship. So they're probably, what, hundreds? Yeah. Uh, maybe it would have been, like, if you think about it. If it's a ship that has that, like, a ton of people, like a small city's worth of people on it. Yeah, I guess. And we get a glimpse of the Event Horizon just floating around empty, except for the screaming, scarred body of, of Sam Neill. <laughs> Yeah, except for that. Um, and he, he wakes up from this nightmare on a, on a space station where he has printed photos of his, what I put, GF slash wife. <laughs> yeah, it's never established. His partner. Yes, his significant other. Right. And I'm like, we have printed photos in 2047 and we don't really have those now anymore. 
He did in 97. That was uh, maybe not forward-looking enough. Yeah. Or maybe he's just he's just a hipster and likes to take... Uh, you know, like kids these days like to walk around with Polaroid cameras sometimes. Like maybe he's just maybe that's just his thing. And we learned that this is daylight station at low Earth orbit, and this is Doctor Weir. And it's this like crazy like rotating shot that I guess they spent like seventy five percent of their effects budget on. I like the crazy rotating shot though. It's very disorienting. And that's how space would be. Yeah, it would. That there, there's no up or down in space. It just is. It just yeah. is, and we get the uh, the Lewis and Clark is a boat as a ship that's that has a top secret mission that tells as, us on screen. <laughs> they're a search and rescue military search and rescue vehicle or uh, ship. Yep, they're search and rescue, captained by Captain S. J. Miller, played by Lawrence Fishburne, a relatively young one, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Yep, and then um, he's so like, "Oh, this was." Pretty close to when the Matrix came. A couple years before Matrix came out, I want to yeah. say two years, two years or one year. Yeah, very, very close to his. Like, like now everyone knows who the hell Lawrence Fishburne is. Yeah, it has a very Morpheus vibe. Yeah, in his performance, yeah, he's he's got that like definitely got that. Well, I mean, he's playing the leader. He's definitely playing that like mentor figure. We also introduced to uh, Jack Noseworthy as Ensign F M Justin. Uh, Julie Richardson has Lieutenant M.L. Stack, and Sean Pertwee has W.F. Smith. All these people have these two initial names. That just must be the style at the time. You know, including Captain S.J. Miller. Um, we also get uh, Richard Jones has T.F. Cooper. And then fucking Catherine Quinlan has Peters. Just, just, just Peters. No initials. She's the hipster of the group. Compared to Jason Isaac, who is DJ. Just initials. No last name. <laughs> Also, yes, Jason Isaacs. Yes, Lucius, Lucius, Ma- Lucius fucking Malfoy himself is on this ship. Yep. Um, one of them says, like, why can't we go to Mars? Mars has women. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, is it like the women from fucking Total Recalls? Oh, three boobs. <laughs> and um, Sean Pertwee, by the way, is the son of third doctor, John Pertwee. <laughs> oh, there you go. And Dr. Weir's on this flight, and he's all, like, naive and eager. He's like, it's my first time on a ship kind of attitude. Yeah. And then everybody just starts stripping down to their underwear. Well, it's like aliens. Yeah. Well, at first I was like, what the fuck? Everyone's just getting naked? But no, they gotta get to their underwear to to be frozen, basically. Yeah, they have these, like, uh, gravity compression pods, because... The ship, while not faster than light, is still extraordinarily fast. Yeah, and Dr. Weir asks, like, why do we gotta do this? And somebody tells him, well, when the ion drive fires, you'd take 30 Gs, and without this tank, it would just liquefy your skeleton. 30 Gs is a lot. Yeah. So, this thing can get to Neptune in 56 days. That is very, very fast. Yes, that is very fast. Because all conservative estimates put us at, like... It would take us a year to get to Mars. Yeah, it is a very, very quick vehicle. So we have Dr. Weir waking up alone on the ship and hearing voices of of his his significant other. But it, it's just a dream. Yeah, she's in the cockpit, and she turns around, and she's, I'm so cold, and she's naked, but has no eyes. And she's like, I'm waiting for you. The eyes thing, uh, a little bit of foreshadowing. 
And then we have Cooper joking with uh, one of the other women, like, did you want something hot and black inside you? Yeah, to, to Jolie Richardson. Yeah, but he's talking about coffee. <laughs> yeah. If she flips him over, he's like, that an invitation? No? Well, how about some coffee, then? <laughs> and Peter's, she's watching home videos on her tablet of her, of her kid. See, that is a good foresight, because that is pretty much what we do today. Yeah, that is what we do today. She's got her, her iPad. Yeah, she really misses her family. Captain Miller is like, I know I wanted to get somebody else. There was no other option. I'll make it up to you somehow. And then, so now we get to learn more about Dr. Weir, because they're like, well, what are you doing here? Because he introduces the whole crew to Dr. Weir. And he's like, I appreciate being here with you all, to where Miller interrupts him right away and goes, we don't appreciate being here. You may. Yeah, they they were on shore leave. They were they were currently on break. Yeah. And they got summoned to drive out to fucking Neptune, a billion miles from anything remotely civilized. Three billion clicks from the nearest outpost, is what he says. <laughs> it's a lot. And so Dr. Weir's like, okay, well, we got a transmission from a ship around Neptune. That's the Event Horizon. And he's like, now what was made public is that the Event Horizon went critical and blew up, which is a lie. And he tells the truth that it was a top-secret project to create a vessel capable of faster-than-light travel. And he goes through the science, which is like, I don't know, gravity or some shit. <laughs> it's interesting because it, it is based on actual theoretical physics. Of folding space? Yeah. Because the event horizon of, of a black hole, which is what the ship is named after, is theoretically, again, we haven't, we don't, know a whole lot. It's supposed to be, the gravity is supposed to be so intense that not even light can escape from it. And um, in theory, some some have theorized that black hole could dump out into another dimension. And it, it basically space-time just ceases to function as we know it as you get to, towards a black hole. Yeah, there was a really interesting episode of Doctor Who I saw where this ship was next to a black hole and it was a pretty long ship and the part closest to the black hole time moved much slower than the back of the ship so what was like 10 minutes at the front of the ship was like three generations at the back of the ship yes the space time goes crazy during a black hole the gravity is so insane this sort of like wormhole theory is something that some scientists have floated this is not an impossibility and the reason that Dr. Weir is there is because he built this gravity drive. And he's like, everything was going good. They used the gravity drive and then poof, they've been gone for seven years. And they're like, let's listen to the transmission that it sent. And it's so fucking Lovecraftian. Uh, it's just like horrifying screams. and Yeah, and then some human voice speaking Latin, which uh, DJ, because it's it's – Isaac's character that's like, oh, yeah, I, 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 Lucius, Lucius Malfoy translates to liberate me to save me. And I'm like, yeah, people randomly speak and say simple things in Latin only because it is spooky. <laughs> <laughs> we do get a good explanation later on for that, though. Yeah. But suddenly they, they come upon Event Horizon and it's a huge fucking ship. Yeah. So, again, at Warhammer 40k, like the ships that travel through these things are essentially floating gothic cathedrals that are hundreds and hundreds, like, miles and miles long. Yeah, this like, ship is huge. And this ship is huge, too. And it's also got kind of that gothic vibe. Apparently, one of the inspirations for it was the cathedral at 
at uh, Notre Dame in uh, France. So that um, gothic styling is part of it. Again, kind of makes sense given the uh, the the inspiration. One of the inspirations for the story. And the ship basically has like two parts. There's like the bridge and living quarters and everything, and then this huge long breezeway that connects to the back of the ship, which is where the engine is. Yeah, the the crazy gravity drive. Yeah. Um, and they tell Dr. Weir, they're like, very impressive ship. And he's all proud. He's like, thank you. I mean, it is an impressive ship. And they're like, okay, there's no life support on the ship. It's deep cold, so nobody would be alive. But we're getting trace life forms with no location. And so Miller's like, well, let's search and rescue. Let's go in. And so they connect to the, the air airlock in the middle of the breezeway. And I wrote down the line. We are crossing the umbilicus, making our approach to the event horizon. I don't know why I loved that line. This is a good line. The umbilicus. It's that, like, it's that Latin thing again. Yeah. And again, in Warhammer 40k, there's a lot of that Latin sort of, like, vibe to it. That makes sense. Like, um, like one of the, the, like the sisters of battle, their, their warrior nuns are called the Adeptus Sororitas. Like, it's very Latin. It's supposed to feel like, again, like gothic, Catholic kind of vibes to it. It's just kind of playing on that a little bit more, too. It's definitely, the writer definitely was was uh, was painting some minis while he was doing <laughs> doing some script writing here. And so they, uh, they walk about this ship with their magnetic boots, because it's zero G. Yeah. There's, like, a bunch of garbage floating around, a lot of ice crystals. Um, Captain Miller runs into a, a severed hand. <laughs> yeah, casual severed hand. And then Justin goes to the engineering decks, and there's this weird fucking walkway that looks like a meat grinder. Which apparently is supposed to represent the ni- uh, the eight circles of hell. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so I like how the three that are on the, the, the ship, because you have Justin, it's going to engineering, Miller is in like medical, and Peters goes to the bridge. And I like when she's like, oh, we got some blood here, because there's this little smudge of blood on a console. And then we see it's just fucking gore behind her. Yeah, there's like a flash of light, and you can see it's just the walls are just plastered with gore. Yeah, and then Justin. It's um, a good shot, a great shot. They find a dead body floating around without eyes, and they're like, decompression doesn't cause that. Yeah, they're like, it looks like an animal tore them out. Yeah, Justin gets to the gravity drive, which looks fucking badass. Yeah, apparently a little nod to Hellraiser. It's just. The this giant chamber, which, I don't know, did you ever play Final Fantasy Nine? No. There's this chamber with faces that looks a lot like this. Ooh, creepy, I like it. Yeah, and all the faces start talking. <laughs> Ooh, I, I'm, I, I couldn't, I, I watched my friends play Final Fantasy Nine and couldn't get past the fact that Steiner was such a miserable shit oh, but it's that Final I couldn't. Fantasy. <laughs> I know, a lot of people love it, but I just couldn't get past the... Just constant whining and complaining. He gets better. His character matures. Thick night. I need to, I do, I keep saying I need to go back and play it and just kind of like suffer through it until it opens up a bit. So they go through uh, the the gravity drive. It's just like orb with all these things spinning around it. And it lines up like a stargate and just opens this portal uh, that Justin gets yanked on through. And there's a huge ass explosion that just takes out the Lewis and Clark. Shit, what's his name? The the rescue operator, the guy who's like a rescue specialist. The black guy. Yeah, the flirty flirty guy. Cooper. Cooper, yeah. Cooper's 
Cooper's job is to do exactly what he does here, and that's uh, rush in and try to save somebody who, when shit goes south. Yeah, so he goes to rescue Justin. Uh, Everyone has to evacuate the Lewis and Clark and get onto the event horizon. And they they turn gravity on, and that fucking corpse sickle shatters. I like that, too, because that's probably what exactly what would happen. And they realize that air is limited on the event horizon, so they have 20 hours to fix the Lewis and Clark. So we have a ticking clock now. Then Justin, he's alive, but he's in some sort of, like, waking coma. Yeah, they managed to pull him out of this, but he's he's not in good shape. No. And uh, Cooper's like, oh, yeah, there was a fucking gateway in the drive. And we're just like, nope, nope, that was an optical effect of gravitational distortion, like gravity waves or some shit. And they're like, what's in the what's in there, doctor? He's like, it's complicated. We, we don't have to worry about it. And yeah, like, he doesn't believe that his thing could just turn on on itself, on its own. Yeah, and they're like, and yeah. it doesn't. Because as we learn later, it, there's there's reasons. Yeah, and um, so they're like, we got twenty hours, so explain it to us. And he explains that the gravity drive creates an artificial black hole to bend space and time. And he's like, oh, it's perfectly safe. Twinmiller's like, oh, safe. My ship is in pieces, and one of my crew members may not make it home alive. So bullshit on it being safe. Yeah, the rings are supposed to be some sort of magnetic like barrier that keep going to keep it from opening up unless you want it to. Well, somebody opened it. Yeah. Or something. Somebody or something. Right. Peter starts reviewing the, the ship's log um, when she starts hallucinating her son with these, like, diseased legs. Yeah, everyone starts having hallucinations about things that they fear the most or regret the most. And we get some of the log where the captain of the Event Horizon, John Kilpack, that's a, a fitting name. Yes. He's like, oh, my crew here, we're, we're doing good. We're about to engage the gravity drive and open the gateway. And he says something in Latin, like six semper or something or whatever. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what he says. But that would explain the Latin on the the recording. Yeah. Because it's, it's in this dude's character that he says random shit in Latin. So when they're in hell, he would still be saying random shit in Latin. Yes. And then they turn, gauge the drive, and it's just a bunch of blurry images and screaming. So we don't know quite what happened. Just, yeah, not yet. They're like, we're going to have to push this through a few filters. Yeah. As you know, traditional sci-fi, we can, uh, we can scrub this down so we can see it completely clearly. Yep. Just going to take some time. And at this point, I have a note that just says, stuff happening! Yeah. The drive is kicking on. Justin's having seizures and going, the dark is coming! And Dr. Weir and Miller are crawling around the engine's gigantic fucking hidden circuit boards. It's like a maze of circuitry. Yeah. As Weir yeah. starts- Weir made this fucking monstrosity of a ship. Yeah. Um, but he starts having those hallucinations of his significant other again. Yes. Who's got no eyes and it's like, live with me. Miller starts uh, hallucinating a fucking dude on fire. Dr. Weir tries to explain it all. Oh, no, these are just, uh, it's from CO2. CO2 makes hallucinations. And they're like, God damn it, no, these were not hallucinations that we were all having. And Dr. Weir is just lying to try and explain away, even though he's been having hallucinations. Right. And then the one guy tries to fucking attack Weir, Smitty, Smith, but they all call him Smitty, uh, Sean Pertwee's character. He's just going to go fucking kill Weir, and DJ has to calm him down. 
and they realize that the ship brought something with it. Something alive. Somebody has that line. Yeah. Peters is pacing around a medical and suddenly Justin's gone. I put shit going crazy and popping off here. That's my note. <laughs> it is. It is getting a bit. It's getting starting to get intense. Yeah, because Justin's just goes into this airlock. He's like, "I'm going to kill myself." You know what's on there? It's it's horrible and it's awful. I don't want to go back, so I'm just going to end it. I, He's I like, just, if you've seen what I've seen, then yeah, want to end it too. And then um, he starts to wake up like, come out of this coma, and he's like, oh shit, where am I? I'm gonna die in space, fuck! Because <laughs> the airlock blows, and he's just getting fucking torn up in space. Yeah, some good, some good effects here. Meanwhile, Dr. Weir's just chilling on the bridge, listening to all of this and losing his goddamn mind. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Weir is, is going going a little bit nuts. Yeah. A lot, a lot of bit nuts. You know, beyond the just the obvious, I think he at this, at, at pretty early on, I think he had an idea of what may have happened. Yeah. And just doesn't want to accept the reality of what's going on. So they, uh, Miller manages to save Justin, and he puts him in the, uh, get the fuck out of this movie chamber, because we don't even see him again until the end of the movie. Right. And they're like, okay, we're, what the fuck's happening? And he just hand waves everything away, being vague. Oh, gravity or some shit. I mean, he's not wrong, <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah, and then uh, Miller hallucinates the, the, the guy on fire again, and so he explains yeah. to others what this hallucination is, that it's this guy that he used to serve with, and he has this line of, have you ever seen fire at zero gravity? It's beautiful, it slides all around, comes up in waves, and that he had to just leave this dude to burn to death. Yeah, he did the only thing he could do. Yeah, and he's like, I never told anybody, but the ship knew about it, it knows my fears. It's like the uh, beginning of uh, the Meg, right? Where he has to leave the guy. Yeah. And then that's when DJ has to confess that he mistranslated the recording. Yeah, he missed he missed something. Yeah, that it wasn't Liberate Me. It was Liberate Tutu Me. Save yourself. And and it gets worse because it's Liberate Tutu Me Ex Inferis. Save yourself from hell. I closed the lifeboat hatch and I left him behind. I swore I'd never lose another man. I've known you a long time. You never told me that. That's just it, DJ. I, I never told anybody. But this ship knew about it. It knows my fears. It knows my secrets. Gets inside your head and it shows you. I wasn't going to tell you this. I've been listening to the distress signal, and I, um, think I made a mistake in the translation. <sighs> Go on. I thought it said liberate me. Save me. But it's not me. It's liberate, tuteme. Save yourself. And it gets worse. Liberate, There. I think that says X in fairies. Save yourself from hell. 
Look, if what Dr. Weir tells us is true, this ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe, of known scientific reality. Who knows where it's been, what it's seen, and what it's brought back with it. From hell. You don't believe in that kind of stuff, do you? Whoever sent that message, he sure believes in hell. And so they're like, okay, let's get the fuck out. Uh, is uh, the Lewis and Clark ready to go? Let's just fucking leave. Let's yeah, fuck off. This is, uh, <laughs> this is over our head. And then we have Peters and Stark are drinking coffee and trying to fix the video, and we get to see the video. The fucking yeah. blood orgy. Oh my god. So apparently they actually, there's more of this, or they shot more of it. They shot a lot of this. Um, uh, but it's all gone. No, not a lot of it still exists. There's not a lot of deleted scenes for this movie, because they excised a lot, but they kept a bit of the blood orgy. Uh, still, a lot of it is gone. Yeah, they hired real pornographic actors and actual amputees to make it even more like grotesque and crazy. Even the little bits you get, though. Holy shit. You yeah. want like an impact, visually impactful shit that you want to watch with hell? <laughs> Holy crap, this is something. So Paul um, Anderson did not film the blood orgy. He was busy with other things, so it went to a second unit director, Fadim Jean, who he'd made his name directing uh, romantic comedies. But Yeah, you would never guess from this. But... You know, he gives the job here of directing the blood orgy, and he just goes fucking nuts. Well, uh, if you're gonna film hell, <laughs> fucking do it. Yeah, he went all out. Like you said, the amputees, the porn actors fucking all over the place. And The only direction he had was Anderson is like, oh, well, they all basically fuck each other to death. Yeah, it is something. And the guy who directed these... <laughs> Romantic comedies are like, he's like, yes, I can do that. What happened to the original crew of the Event Horizon? Um, the, we, there was a whole kind of big, violent, kind of bloody orgy scene that was shot where essentially um, the crew were kind of, they were having sex, but they were also murdering each other while they were doing it. So they're kind of like fucking each other to death. And, and, and it was really, it was pretty bloody and unpleasant. And, uh, I was actually helped by a, another filmmaker friend of mine who's another director who, who came in to direct Second Unit a couple of times called Vadim Jean, who's probably know from like, he's done a lot of kind of romantic comedies like Leon the Pig Farmer, and, but he clearly has a dark side to him because when I brought him in, because, you know, it was, I'd started shooting these sequences and then I kind of ran out of time. I had to go back to the main unit. So he came in and he shot, um, he shot a lot of the, he shot a lot of the, uh, the kind of violent, orgiastic scenes and the captains pull out his eyes while he's saying the latin stuff and yeah offering his eyes to people it is some shit <laughs> so the whole crew was like let's get the fuck out of here and dr weir's like no we can't leave can't leave my ship and he's like so the implication i should just say at this point the ship's possessed yeah that, that's basically the idea it came back from hell it is possessed by something from hell because the dimension is basically unknowable to mortal human mind. 
And, um, yeah, because Weir's like, you ha- can't just leave the ship here. And Miller says, oh, I have no intention of leaving her. I'm going to take the Lewis and Clark to a safe distance, and then I'll launch TAC missiles at the event horizon until I'm satisfied she's vaporized. Fuck this ship. And that is the correct response. Yeah, but Dr. Weir doesn't like that, and they, they fight. Because Dr. Weir has basically succumbed to his madness at this point. Yeah. Peter's... Uh- of all the people on the ship, the one that uh, the ship managed to get to the most is, you know, Weir. Yep. Peter starts having visions of her, her dead, her, her not dead son, just her son, as the core activates itself again. Yep. And she goes and gets herself unalived. Yeah, she uh, gets chebated into falling to her death. Yeah. Which, to be fair, probably the softest death the rest of them will get. Yeah. And then we learn uh, Weir, he's, his backstory, he starts hallucinating, kind of. He goes down to the core to get some of them them core vibes, basically. Yeah. And uh, he listens to his ghost girl's voice and learns that she committed suicide. And he blames himself for it, for not being around and being too obsessed with building this stupid fucking ship. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't uh, know, his, his dead girlfriend... It's like, hell, oh, it's okay, Billy. You're with me again now, and I have such wonderful things to show you. Which sounds like it's from Hellraiser. Yeah, well, that's one of the little bit of inspiration. I think it is a nod to that. And he just tears out his eyes. And I put, the movie is at 11 now. <laughs> yeah. Because shit is going crazy here. Because uh, Weir just goes on to the Lewis Clark and plants an explosive. Yeah, he does not want anybody to leave. He wants to take everybody back to hell with uh, one guy finds it. Who finds it? I don't know, but they die. Because they find this explosive, but it's got like seconds left. It's DJ? Or is it Cooper? Because Cooper's left floating around on debris in space. Yeah, and Cooper's outside trying to fix the ship, still finishing up the repairs. And he's got to fucking, like, gravity his way back to the, the event horizon. Yeah. And um, DJ's like, I'm going to take care of Weir. And then, boom, he's fucking... T- attacked by this eyeless maniac who fucking flays him and hangs him up. Yeah. Apparently that scene was even crazier originally. Like, like, uh, Lawrence Fishburne finds him and he's like been vivisected and like his entrails are all playing and he's like hanging from hooks. Apparently original, those entrails are still in him. Like they're dangling from him and he's still alive. Yeah. There's pictures of it. Not, not necessarily footage. Yeah, that was the original idea. Apparently, the original cut of this movie was so intense that <laughs> they made him edit it down. And what was cut out stayed out forever. <laughs> yeah, just a bummer. It was so horrifying, it had to be destroyed. But then uh, we, we find that uh, fucking Dr. Weir is full-on Mountains of Madness now. Oh, yeah, he's... Wasn't he in Mountain of... Mouth of Madness? Yeah. And the Mouth of Madness, wasn't that like... Yeah. Yeah, and he plays, like, this kind of same character that just goes fucking insane. He's good at that. And he's great here. Miller is there, is like, what, where, where, what'd you do with your eyes, man? And he's like, well, he says that classic line. Yeah, where we're going, we don't need eyes. And so he explains that, okay, you know, the, the event horizon went further than the stars. She tore a hole in our universe, a gateway to a dimension of pure chaos and pure evil. And she's alive now. What happened to your eyes? Where am I going? 
We will need eyes to see. What are you talking about? I created the event horizon to reach the stars. But she's gone much, much farther than that. She tore a hole in our universe, a gateway to another dimension. A dimension of pure chaos. Pure evil. When she crossed over, she was just a ship. But when she came back, she was alive. Look at her, Miller. Isn't she beautiful? Your beautiful ship killed its crew, Doctor. Well... Now she has another crew. Now she has us. What do you think you're doing, Doctor? You wanted to know where the ship has been. So now you'll find out. Yeah, it's been possessed by some sort of demonic spirit, like, for lack of a better word. The essence of that hellplane is now merged with the ship. And he's like, and we're all going to go there now, and he sets the, the gateway to open. Because it sounds like the ship wants to go back. Yeah, and the ship is using him. Yep. That's when Cooper shows up and blows a hole in the bridge. Yep. Nobody dies in this, despite space being a vacuum. Yeah, sure, yep. Uh, Cooper makes it back inside somehow. Miller saves Stark. I know, Weir just fucks off to the engine. <laughs> and they're like, we're going to blow the walkway to separate the ship. Yeah, because we're earlier on says, hey, this is designed if something goes wrong with the engine, you can just basically scuttle the engine and use the first, you know, the front half of the ship as a lifeboat. Yep. That's what they're going to do. And, um, but the ship is definitely not going to let them. We get fucking blood everywhere like the elevators in Shining. Yeah. Which, again, is a nod to the Shining, Shining being one of the movies that influenced it, so... A little nod there. Miller ends up in the uh, in the core fighting with Doctor Weir, who's now very nude and very cut up. Oh yeah, he's absolutely just he is the evil now, and he's like, "Hell is only a word. The reality is much, much worse." And he grants him this like vision of like the crew being tortured. Yeah, more flashes of the uh, of the blood orgy, but there, it's all so fast we really just get an idea of it. The ship brought me back told you she won't let me leave. She won't let anyone leave. Did you really think you could destroy this ship? She's defied space and time. She's been to a place you couldn't possibly imagine. And now, it is time to go back. I know. To hell. You know nothing. Hell is only a word. The reality is much, much worse. Now let me show you. So he sacrifices himself to save the, the crew. Yep, he, 
he manages to get a hold of the explosive button and just presses it and just blows the back end. Yep. And so the back end goes through the portal and the, the front end. They put themselves in deep freeze and they're rescued 72 days later. Yep. And they're like, there's three survivors. And it was like, oh yeah, I fucking forgot Justin survived. Justin is <laughs> fucked beyond belief psychologically and physically, but he is in fact still alive. Yeah. And then it just goes to black and it plays funky shit by Prodigy. Yeah. Love. Totally fitting. It's a great song, too. This movie is amazing. Uh, It's so good. Like, the pacing, the... I've never made a... Like, I've watched a number of horror films now. Many for this show. This one is genuinely creepy. Like... Yeah. And I, I think it does a good job. Obviously, it's got that Lovecraft vibe to it. It's like, well... We've poked a little too far into knowledge that we probably shouldn't have known, and now we're fucked. And I wish... And it's also, it also layers on that like religious element, because most of us, at least in the West, even if we're not religious, like I, I don't go to church anymore, but we all had some exposure to the concept of hell, and man, it, they did not shy away from making it as horrifying as they possibly could. Yeah, I wish Paul... Anderson did more like this. It's it's his best work. It's like it's a legit like it wasn't appreciated at the time. It is now. It has aged incredibly well. The practical effects are awesome. Like he did do horror kind of the Resident Evil movies, but those are not at all like this. No, the first Resident Evil movie is fine, but it's not this, which is all the atmosphere, all the vibes, all the crazy just like it's genuinely scary this movie is genuinely scary and not in a jump scare sort of way there's a couple but mostly it's just oppressive atmosphere and building and then the reveal of what the hell happened it's like oh my god that is horrific yeah it's such a good movie i would definitely take this over the coffee i would take this movie a million more times I mean, this. I think this is the fourth time I've watched this movie, and I love it more each time I watch it. Well, I had a friend that watched it in theaters, and he's like, "Hey, I watched this movie called Event Horizon because it really didn't get publicized a lot." No, I remember when it came out, and it kind of just came and went. No one really talked about it. Yeah, my friend talked about. It. He's like, "This movie was so good," and then um, I rented it from Blockbuster and fucking loved it. Yeah, it's it's really good the cast everyone's selling it well like i love the it's obviously got that aliens vibe to i i've always i don't know if i've talked about this before my favorite thing about the aliens movies at least the first two is that there's no like alien stuff in the first third to half of the movie it's all build up it's all set up and it does it so well this movie does it just as well as those movies as they're getting in you're learning a little bit more about the ship they're looking around the ship you know, you're getting a little bit more pieces of information, crazy shit's happening, you don't really know where it's going, and then suddenly, oh, fuck, we're in a demon-possessed ship, we're all fucking boned. It's a beautiful movie. I, I love this movie. Like, I, I, I like it just, it's one of my, I, I don't know, it's my favorite horror film. I was so happy I got to watch I I finished watching it, and I'm like, man, this is too short. Like, I actually wanted, I am craving more, and they haven't done a sequel that... I guess it comes up from time to time. That they should um, do a sequel. A sequel or a prequel. They, they said they want, might wanted to do a prequel about the Event Horizon itself. That would be pretty cool. 
Ooh, that would be interesting. That trip and then what happens and then it culminating in that insanity at the end. Um, it, it's I would, I'd, be, I'd be down for that. The film does have a huge cult following now. Um, it did influence a lot. Its legacy can be seen in the Dead Space video game series. Obviously, they came from Warhammer 40k, too. Yes. So, I mean, it's... I, I'm glad it got that it's it's getting at least the recognition it deserves. I still think it's a vastly underrated movie. But uh, at least amongst horror fans and the, the horror circles these days, I think it is an incredibly well-respected film, and it should be. Paul W. Sanderson gets a lot of shit, and rightfully so, because let's be honest, a lot of his movies are pretty fucking trash. Alien vs. Predator. Uh, I'm looking at you. <laughs> uh, but this movie is legitimately good. It's not even like it's not even a good in like the Three Musketeers or like Mortal Kombat way where it's like, yeah, it's a fun movie with some flaws and it's this is just well crafted filmmaking. Like on any level, no matter you took the name off of it and you watch this movie, like, man, this is really fucking good. I think I think it loses some I think it I think people don't take it seriously as much as because of who the director is. Yeah. And and his and his reputation of doing of President Evil. Res- the Resident Evil movies and the Alien vs. Predator and some other shit. He did Monster Hunter. That's his most recent. Is that good? Probably not. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I didn't know this movie was made. Even though I've played the video game, I'm like, oh shit, they, they've made. <laughs> I, I'm glad he's, I, I will say this. I'm glad he's still directing because then I might have a chance someday to get an Event Horizon prequel or... Well, I'd probably prefer a prequel to a sequel, in August, and maybe a a Three Musketeers sequel. I'm just I'm I'm hoping. In August of 2022, Anderson reiterated that talk of a prequel and or sequel is always ongoing, and stated that what has kept the projects from becoming a reality is his desire to preserve the original film's ambiguity. Yeah, appreciate. That. I think you could do a prequel just fine. I, like I said, I don't know if I'd want a sequel. I like the semi-ambiguous ending. I like that. Um, but I, I, a prequel to explore what happened with the Event Horizon, I think, would be fucking awesome. Yeah, it'd be gruesome. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it'd be super gruesome, and I'd be, I'd be all up for that. Yeah, for a while there was going to be a an Amazon TV series, but that fell through. I mean, see, those sort of TV series days are pretty high budget. They could probably do it. Actually, that would be pretty good for a prequel too, because then you could have a real slow build as you get to know all the cast, all the all the crew members and stuff. That could have been good. Yep. But that's um, Event Horizon, our bonus episode, which so good. <laughs> I don't know. If you haven't watched Event Horizon, please go see it. If you like horror movies at all, like anything about them, or if you just like kind of gruesome side, if you like Alien, if you like the movie Alien, watch this fucking movie. It's great. Yeah. Next week, totally different change of pace. Next week, we're doing Valley of the Dolls and Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. A bunch of melodrama there. Yep. Different different vibes. Yep. But uh, that's what we do. <laughs> We're all over the place. That is kind of the nature of, of, of this show. Exploitation is a, a, a big, buried, and hungry beast. Yep. So we will catch you then. Oh my god, that's the funky shit! <laughs>